Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 527 Underground Podcast, where we talk about comic books and comic book-related themes, including Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, anime, webtoons, and whatever crosses our minds. We're your hosts, Teddy and Maria, and we offer two different points of views, one as an avid comic book collector and the other as an excited fan. Hello, Maria. How you doing today? I'm good. Chilling. Chilling. <laughs> Did you have a restful day today? I try. You try? Were you successful? I'm not sure yet. Oh, yet? Oh, boy. <laughs> I, think I, I think I better be in my P's and Q's then. Possibly. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Got it. <laughs> so, anyway, I wanted to discuss the uh, season finale of WandaVision mm-hmm. uh, that just passed up to this podcast. And... I really did like this episode. I thought it was really great. And one thing I want to bring, one, one thing I want to bring up is the. Uh, and yes, there will be spoilers during this episode. Just fair warning. <laughs> and um, I like how in the extra credit scene we see Wanda, Wanda's power, as she was astral projecting in her astral projection form. She was studying the dark hold, while her physical form was able to look like she was resting in the cabin and was able to walk around, walk mm-hmm. about, and do other things. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Well, I mean, the thing is that usually when we... The last time we saw anything like that was in Doctor Strange when he was studying the books from um, Kamatosh. Right. And he was asleep while they were while he was doing the studying. And then another time was when he was incapacitated. Um, I believe he was fighting some people off and he got stabbed. And while he, while uh, the female doctor was doing surgery on him, um, he was able to astral project. The same thing with the ancient one. Mm-hmm. You know, she was incapacitated and um, she was able to astral project. Right. So I, I personally never seen anyone walk around doing their whatever it is, having some tea. <laughs> and uh, study at the same time, right? You know, and uh, yeah, she's she's using some serious magic, that's for sure. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think what that scene shows it shows how powerful she can truly be. Also, in that episode, they made mention. I think it was the character that plays Agatha Harkness had made mention saying that she would be as powerful, even more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. Mm-hmm. Right? She which did, is Doctor Strange. Which, as we know in this MCU, is Doctor Strange. Which, you know, is foretelling because this would suggest that somewhere down the line, these two characters will meet again. Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch. Right. Uh, for the most part. Which I thought that was really, really cool. Um, what was great to see too in this series as a whole and it's going back to the early episode was the whole homage it pays to uh, earlier television shows throughout the eras from like the 50s and the 60s and so so you know and somewhat I thought that was really interesting and really cool to watch it brought a sense of nostalgia to watching those old TV shows you know like Dick Van Dyke and Brady Bunch and so on and so forth I thought that was really great but can you imagine the amount of work that the behind the scenes, like the people that had to come up with the costume designs, the mm. people that had to do the cinematography and mm-hmm. all that stuff, they had mm-hmm. to be be able to recreate what black and white look like. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, this yes. isn't just typical, oh, we just removed the color and black and white, there it is. No, they right. have to be able to bring out um, a better way of lighting with black and white. And they had to select colors that would come out better in black and white. white. I know it sounds weird selecting colors that will come out 
It's just the different shades of black and white, different shades of gray. Mm. Um, in order for it to show better, you have to select various colors that would allow those those black and white shades to come out, mm-hmm. you know, and right. give it better detail. Especially with the way our televisions are set up now, high definition that you can't get away with, you know, possible mistakes with the graininess of TV. There is no graininess. It's all about clarity. Right. So that's something that they really have to work hard on and do a lot of um, research on how they filmed these shows back in the days. Now, would you say that they were pretty successful in doing that from Absolutely. What I mean, from the hair, the makeup, the costumes, and obviously, you know, they could not paint um, Paul Bettany. Yeah, Paul Bettany. Vision. Um, yeah, I just want to confirm. Mm-hmm. Um, they could not paint Paul Bettany his usual reddish, purplish hue right. to be able to put him up on the black and white because it does it wasn't coming out right. right. So they had to paint him like a deeper purple mm. of some sort okay. um, in order for his features or the features of the vision to show on black and white because mm. it was going to look too dark right if he would if they would have used red right right wow that's something that only an astute and acute mind and eye like yours would pick out being that you're so very on, creative <laughs> it's true Come it's on. true between <laughs> between those days when you used to direct the uh you know those no, no. movies we're not, and so we're not going so into forth. that <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing that no we're but i, I think i think it just takes a distinct eye and something that you have in spades to really pick up something like that me as i was watching i was like oh yeah it's black and white and that was it no, <laughs> you know well, but it was I'm, great it I, was great you know for I'm fascinated with how they actually create these shows. I'm, I'm fascinated. I always like to watch the behind the scenes. If there's a small, you know, five minute documentary or whatever, I think they're going to actually show that next week as yeah. to how they came across, how they decided to do um, uh, WandaVision. Right. Kind of like what they did with Gallery for The, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Right, right. I know I referenced The Mandalorian a lot, but that's because they actually gave us an entire season of how they did mm-hmm. the show, mm-hmm. you know? But they're actually going to do something similar to that with WandaVision and allow us to see how they decided to uh, film these shows. You know, they it wasn't just about telling the story of WandaVision. It was how they did it. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave us the different um, shows along the, 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 the decades. Right. You know, and incorporated that into the story. And then when we finally understand, when we finally see why these stories or why these shows are, or how she was telling her story through these shows, it's fucking sad. Yeah. It was because her father was selling videos. Yeah. You know, he was like a a salesman that was selling these these DVDs and she, one of her favorites was Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. You know, and it was in her subconscious, you know, and she created... Mm what she thought was a happy life that that's what she saw in these DVDs and as a child she's like that's what happiness looks like in these DVDs right you know that right. was her idea of what striving for a happier life was and she recreated it in her reality mm-hmm. that's that's amazing how you yeah. know whoever came up with that with that way of uh telling her story mm-hmm. telling hers and vision story without losing the audience yeah if anything, it brought in more 
it brought in more people to watch the show because they were like, what's going on with this? Why are they yeah. showing all these different, you know, types of uh, shows? And, and you know what, too? I think it worked in their favor. And this is going to sound odd and maybe messed up. The fact that because of the pandemic that we were experiencing, the fact that this show out of all those Disney Plus Marvel shows came out, that this one came out first, I think, also out there. Because originally, I believe the Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to have come out first. And then later on, we would have seen WandaVision. But if I'm not mistaken, they were more than 90, even 99% completed with WandaVision at the time. And during the pandemic, they were still filming um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I believe they were also filming part of the scenes somewhere in Europe, actually. And they had to stop because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And what that did, you know, by pushing everything back and then having us wanting to watch something in the MCU... It brought that excitement. It brought that uh, gaze, and so on and so forth. Well, and, when, and when, and uh, when, sorry, and when, WandaVision came out, it was the only thing to have drawn our attention to. Right. And it never lost us for a moment. Right. Not at all. And like you said, we watched it every week. Everyone was glued to that television Friday evening. I mean, there were points. Um, from what I understand, where the Disney Plus app had crashed because so many people were watching <laughs> WandaVision at, at one point. Right. And we know people, we know personally people who are not really into like those movies and whatnot that were glued to the television. And I personally was surprised to hear so many people that don't ordinarily like to watch superhero movies or TV shows stick to watching the, this entire season of this mm -hmm. show. So I thought that's really great. It's a testament to how, you know, the quality of these shows, how they are, and the fact that they're able to draw on an audience like this and keep them, you know, stay glued each and every week. It's really a testament to their writing, to their directing, and to all that good stuff. I mean, the, the, Disney has done that a couple of times. Well, this will, I would say would be their second time that they did that because when the pandemic first started, um, they gave us Frozen 2. Mm -hmm. They actually pushed it up um, to have it released on their Disney Plus um, streaming service. Streaming service, okay. And it was basically to give people somewhat of an opportunity to get their mind off of the pandemic and also for the children as well. Right. And there definitely was a message in there because yes, I ended up seeing yes. and I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Disney. Yeah. I see what you're doing. Yeah. And in this one, <laughs> if you really want to, I mean, this is this is on a darker side or whatever, mm -hmm. but just like we're in quarantine because of the pandemic, these poor people were locked in, yeah. in Wanda's uh, reality. Yes. So they kind of like locked in as well, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and they're like, we want to get out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We want to get out of your nightmare. Like, yes. just, just let us free, you yes. know? And at this point, that's pretty much what everyone is saying. Like, we just want to go out. Like, exactly. Let us out of the shit, you know? Let us be, please. Let us free. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, also about the show was great. Was seeing that character Agatha Harkness come to play. I mean, they, again, brought in a new character into the MCU who... We have not seen the last of, I believe. I'm certain that we're going to see her presence sometime in a maybe not too distant future, somewhere along the lines. Uh, maybe during another, maybe in another television show, or maybe in a movie somewhere down the lines. But I believe her character will appear again. One other thing that I caught, which just came to my, just it just gave me an idea or another thought, which was the scene where the scroll 
had come into play, or rather had appeared in front of Monica Lam, uh, Monica Rambo, mm-hmm. and had mentioned to Monica that a friend of her mother's was looking for her. Yeah, Nick Fury. Okay, and then he pointed out. Yeah. Okay. I have a theory. What's your theory? My theory is... You got a teddy theory. Yeah, and I could be wrong. More likely I am, but what this is, is something to play with. Tell me. My theory is, if Nick Fury is up in space, right, which with the rest was. of the Skrulls, which, we, which he is, and ask Monica to come along. Now, those two characters, not necessarily the actors, but the characters were involved in the Captain Marvel movie, Right. So we could possibly see, if Monica ends up going up in space, we could possibly see Captain Marvel joining them. And there is a little team that involves Captain Marvel and Spectrum, which is a character that Monica Rambo later becomes, or currently is now, along with a few other characters whose names I'm going to mention for the first time, which are Black Panther... The Blue Marvel and Miss America. Now, those characters actually formed a team called the Ultimates in the Marvel Universe. And their job actually was, in a sense, to take care of or rather defend Earth from any cosmic entity or any cosmic threats coming to the planet. In the comic book, as it was written, those same characters that I just mentioned earlier, their first mission, or their when they happened to come about, their the first thing they did was actually take care of or figure out how to cure Galactus of his hunger. And for those of you who don't know, Galactus is a entity of itself, a life being whose sole purpose is really relinquishing or relieving his hunger and he does so by eating the energy of the planet and i know that sounds eerie when you think about it people are wishing or possibly thinking that that character may actually be the next big baddie uh sort of in the mcu that will combine you know we'll have like a avengers endgame type movie sort of well the thing is you know that i think you're absolutely right i think that that's a that's a possible theory but you know Everyone has been waiting for, oh, Wanda's the reason why there'll be mutants now in the MCU. Um, another thing would be... Which could still happen. You know, because it's going up in space, what's the next family that has something to do with space? The Fantastic, the Fantastic Four. Four. Yep, so, it, can it open up a whole bunch of doors? Absolutely. You know? if It, it would be cool if, um, if what you say actually happens, because I just recently learned about Blue Marvel mm-hmm. and that's a story on its own. That is a story of its um, own. We could probably talk about that in, a, in another podcast. Sure, but... sure. And the reason I mentioned that is because that team <clears throat> that I just mentioned is really a diverse team mm-hmm. when you think about it. You know, mix of uh, minorities, if you will, for a lack of uh, finding a better word coming together, banding together to work for the greater good. You know, which is saving or preventing any threats, any cosmic threats coming to the planet Earth. Okay. So, and the thing is, we've seen at least three of these characters or four of these characters already exist in the MCU. So, in a sense, 
meet uh, in a sense all they would need to do is create a new blue mar or not new but create a blue marvel character for the mcu because we've already gotten word somewhere down the line that miss america america chavez will be appearing in a future mcu movie or tv show like and it escapes me as to doctor which strange. one is it doctor strange yeah so yeah so her character will be coming in soon so everything you know may tie in somewhere along you know along the lines uh in the not too distant future mm -hmm. but we'll wait and see what happens you know once monica rambo goes to where she was pointed to go <laughs> and so on and so forth we're so going up we're going, going up. up so yeah i just thought that was something interesting uh that had uh caught my attention if you will so but overall the se the season finale of wandavision what did you think no, I thought it was fantastic. You know, I think they even uh, described or explained why uh, Scarlet Witch has that now supposed crown on her head. Right. You right, know, it was right. really that was just part of her costume, but um, it really turned into a formation of a crown, like Head Witch. You right, know, Head right. Witch in charge. <laughs> yeah, you go. Um, so I think that was interesting how they decided to put that in into the story you know um that was one thing and then the the, the fighting scene between the two visions white vision mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and um wanda's vision right that's one <laughs> um yeah you know that was interesting and pretty much we were all like okay he, he's just gonna fuck with his head which is exactly what pretty much happened mm -hmm. and was like well you're really the true vision so if you're here to destroy vision um you're gonna kill yourself, yourself yeah you yeah. know uh, in Maria's translation, you know, <laughs> um, but uh, paraphrasing or whatever, but um, yeah, I mean, I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, the thing is, what will be Vision's future? Because he basically downloaded uh, Wanda's vision, ended up downloading or giving him the memories that was lacking. Hmm. So, there's a lot of questions with this new white vision that comes into play. How the hell did they get the body out of Wakanda? That's one, hmm. two. Um, why the hell does he have something that looked like looks like Tony's arc reactor on his forehead? forehead. Yeah. So that's being powered by that. So how the hell did uh, the acting director decided to get his hands on that? Like, as far as I know, I understand that, you know, uh, Iron Man died. Mm -hmm. But, um... Well, there is an Armor Wars TV show you know, that's coming. My thing is, why isn't Pepper Potts doing her <laughs> shit? Like, why is she controlling that? Because obviously it went to her. You know, at least I would assume it went to her. Because right. she was pretty much doing that anyway. So, you know, that's Tony's technology. Yeah. And he, at one point, was like, no, no, no. I'm not going to let the government handle this. Why are they touching this? You know? And he pulled them away and now all of a sudden the government has it mm -hmm. in some capacity trying to do AIs, which is, you know, big mistake because there must be some tiny sequence of Ultron somewhere, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that those are the questions that there's a whole other thing that we have to watch now or at least look into for White Vision. See what happens with that. And will White Vision end up turning into somewhat of a full vision? Mm. And... Will he end up going back to uh, Wanda? You know? Right, right. But I know that's not something that comes up in the comic books from what you explained to me. Right. Um, she she goes off and, and has uh, relationships with other 
powerful beings. Yes. You know, one yes. of them being a Haitian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're gonna get that, but I, Doctor, you're, you're right, Doctor yeah, Voodoo, right? right? Yeah, in a sense, yeah, yeah. Doctor Voodoo. So later on. I, I found that kind of interesting uh, when you told <laughs> me that. But you know, it, it's it's gonna be uh, interesting to see what happens with Vision, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, but moving on, because um, we have other things to kind of bring up. Um, something you had told me interesting about women's history in the comics. Well. First of all, this month being the month of March is celebrating women's history, which is more or less like an annual declared month that celebrates and highlights contributions that women's made in our history, in our society, and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, the reason we're bringing that up is because that is also being depicted sometimes through the comics. Not necessarily probably the storytelling, but the fact that these female superheroes are representing or, or and have represented women's roles you know in history mm. and in our society and the contributions that they've made so a couple of uh, comic books are depicting or you know drawing superheroes and depicting them in like powerful poses and um, so on and so forth there's this one particular artist Jane Bardo who's a ph- phenomenal artist. She's uh, drawn comic books, I believe, like Blackbird, which is a comic book um, story, and I believe an Underneath Images publication, which is really good. Deals with a lot of magic and so on and so forth. Um, she's actually doing a special during the month of March for Marvel where she's drawing a lot of female superheroes on the front cover. Nice. We actually posted um, one of the She-Hulk, and the Avengers uh, issue number 43 cover. Is it the one that she's wearing that nice, elegant white yes, suit? Yes, that white suit along with the purple uh, shirt mm. and a gold necklace. Okay. And uh, first of all, that was like a hot... It's like, it's as it if was. she was the boss, you know. It's she very holds, much so. Like, it's letting them know. Mm-hmm. It's Women's Month. We're letting you know what's going on. Now, I did a double take looking at that and part of the reason was because it actually brought a, a memory not uh, a recent memory of for instance all the uh, representatives the congresswomen and representatives in the uh, senate couple last year and the year before during the uh, state of the union address when they all wore white do you yes, remember that? yes I do remember that right right and there's actually significance to that actually um, <clears throat> excuse me so the She-Hulk herself is, like I mentioned, is wearing this white uh, suit, very white suit, along with a purple shirt and a gold necklace. And I think the colors that the artist chose to have a She-Hulk wear does show some significance. As, as you know, purple represents loyalty, the color of loyalty, mm-hmm. which a lot of the women, actually all three colors, uh, I'll just go back. Purple representing loyalty, um, let's see, white representing uh, purity uh, for the most part and the gold was sort of like a nod to what was called the sunflowers of kansas and at the time during the 1860s and whatnot kansas suffragists uh, adopted the state symbol for a campaign um, in 1867 and that pretty much gave a symbol became a symbol of the suffrage movement the right for women to vote 
mm. uh, for the for the most part. And people like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, they wore white to represent that. They wore white to represent that as well. And I just thought that the colors w- worn or the colors dr- that uh, the artist drew on She-Hulk pretty much represents that. And I thought that was like incredible and sort of like an ode and a nod to all the females that have come before you know representing their contributions and you know to society to the country and so support for women's movement okay during the month of march and i thought that was really really great i i just i just i don't know i was taken back when i when i saw that and there was just so much there's so much history more than we could say during this podcast to be honest with you in regards to women's contributions and so on and so forth so mm-hmm. I just thought that was great. And it's funny because those three colors worn, they were actually worn during marches and parades, even as late as today. Or, yeah, because yesterday uh, we celebrated International Women's Day uh, for, the most, you know, for the most part. And we see women as, let's see, as late as the, uh, the inauguration wearing uh, colors like that, like purple and blue and so on and so forth. I think the vice president, she actually wore purple during the inauguration, uh, along with, um, who else wore purple? I believe uh, the former first lady, she wore purple, I believe, or blue, was it blue? When she was walking down like a boss during the inauguration. Uh, for um, Former first lady Obama, Michelle purple. Obama, was wearing purple. purple. So yeah, so I think it, it's really... It's really empowering to see women, you know, uh, create like this solidarity and amongst themselves to say, you know, here we are, we are one, we're working together to improve and to be acknowledged for the work that we've done or that women's done. That you can't speak about that uh, personally, but yeah, I just thought that was really great. And you know, in, in the next several weeks, it'll be interesting to see. Um, how the artist uh, depicts these superheroes in the future comics. So, can't wait to see that. That's going to be really cool. So, Okay. The next thing I wanted to talk about or express was this new comic book company, publishing company called Bad Idea. Mm-hmm. Now, they recently came out with a comic book called The ENIAC, number one, and um, which... I have to say, is an incredible uh, first issue so far. I really loved it. It's totally different than what I expected. Um, but the publishing company, from what I, from what we just learned, have a few caveats, if you will, when it comes to placing and pub- not really publishing, but putting their comics out. So. I'm not sure how this works, and once we get more detailed information, we'll be able to give you more. But from what we understand as of this podcast, first of all, uh, Bad Idea, which is na- which is the name of this comic publishing company, their goal is to make sure that each time a new comic book shows up, it's sort of like a big deal. It's supposed to bring the excitement back in regards to collecting comic books. You know, that wanting to say, oh, there's that first issue or, oh, there's that new issue. I have to go to the store and pick this up and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, make it kind of a big deal. So here's a few things about this comic book uh, publishing company. Number one, they will not have any variant covers. So, 
Right. Well, that that's something that you had discussed in the in the previous episode in in the first uh, in our second podcast. Second podcast, right? Um. But I think what the thing the the issues that started arising with the restrictions on it right. on this uh, particular comic book. Well, we're gonna go we're gonna go into the restrictions of comic books and what we've heard through um through our Instagram and our Facebook in regards to what other restrictions we've been hearing about. But just to give us some backstory, so yes, uh, bad idea will not offer any variants. They will not be offered digitally. And it will not be collected into a trade paperback or hardcover or bookshelf format. And another restriction, if you will, is that they're only limiting it at first to, I believe, 20 participating comic book retailers. And more, let's see, they'll have, they'll admit more comic book retailers on some type of rolling basis. Whereas at the end of the first year of their, um, issuance if you will they'll have like a total 50 stores where you'll be able to go buy these comic books Mm -hmm. and of course the biggest one would be that customers can only buy one comic book at a time so it's limited one per customer basically Mm -hmm. which that makes sense now what what we also found out was that the founders of Bad Idea were actually a group of former executives from Valiant Entertainment Valiant being another comic book company that had posted comic books sort of like Bloodshot, which recently had a movie starring Vin Diesel, along with characters like Faith, who's like almost my other favorite character in Valiant, along with Archer and Armstrong and Mm -hmm. Harbinger. And for the most part, all these uh, executives or former executives, they all left Valiant after after they were bought by DMG Entertainment. And... Now, the question that I have is, with all these restrictions that Bad Idea is posing or is actually pressing these comic book retailers to do, is that good for the comic book industry? Is it bad? Is it different? Like, what do you think? In terms of the restrictions? Yes. Um, I don't know. The, when I when I first started hearing about it, it kind of reminded me of when uh, George Lucas put a whole bunch of restrictions on, you know, Star Wars with the oh, Star one Wars 1 and 2. Right, right, right. Where, you know, it had to be in a particular movie theater. It had to have a particular sound. It had right. to be this. And it was really to, to rile up, um, you know, the fans to, to get them all excited and stuff like that. Now, this could go one of two ways. Either the comic book is great and it really gets a response from the fans and fans are like looking forward to the next um issue mm-hmm. or it could turn on them be like well why the hell are you putting so many restrictions fuck this i don't want to touch it anymore because mm-hmm. you're putting so many restrictions mm-hmm. now one of the things that we started hearing um from other collectors and stuff like that was that um they were asking them to agree if they're going to buy this particular, if they're going to buy this issue, that they have to agree to buy the next four issues after that. Now, I don't know if that's something that has to do with the distribution company that's putting this onto the comic book stores to do this, or if it's the comic book store, or the, you know, that particular comic book store, telling their customers that they have to sign up for this. It's like almost like a cell phone plan. You know, well, if you want this, then you have to agree to do this. Yeah, you know? it's, it seems kind of odd for um, for a comic book store to really press on customers to commit to such a... Right, and uh, how would you, know, you 
get that commitment from a customer? Like, how are you going to enforce them right. to yeah. make sure they buy the other four? Right. Like, that's not really saying much for the brand before the brand even gets started. Right. Because that's saying, well, it may suck, so we're going to force you to get the other three exactly. um, because you may not like this one. Right. That's really not fair. That's either the comic book store being a little selfish and trying to put money in their pocket, you know, for future uh, issues. Um, I, I'm not really sure as to why they're doing that. Now, now, not all comic book stores are doing this. Right, and I can attest that personally because I did buy the first issue of the ENIAC and I was under no obligation or restrictions to buy any future issues mm -hmm. at my local comic book store. So right. I did buy the first one. I only saw the first one. They didn't have a variant, although what they did have, which was odd, was another third printing of the same issue. But not that it was considered a variant it just mentioned third printing but yeah they did they did have it out on display it's the same story same comic book um nonetheless and again there weren't any restrictions the only restriction that they had was that it was limited to one per customer and, and that's understandable that you know the one per customer is understandable totally because you want to give everybody an opportunity to to buy and on right. top of that you want to stop people from buying 10 of them and selling them for a ridiculous price on ebay so, you know, I, I truly agree to the one per customer. And if you really want to get two, then you come back and get it later or you go with, with a buddy and you buy it at the same yeah, time. Exactly. You okay. know, so that's a whole different thing. But there was uh, a couple of people that we saw on Instagram um, saying that, you know, they won't be able to even read the first one until the fourth one comes out because they had to commit to buying oh, four issues, issues. Yeah. and they have to wait till the fourth issue is released in order for them to receive all four at the same time which sucks because spoilers right. you know so and then you have to wait because i think it, they issue comic books what once a month or some, right. something right. like that right this series i believe comes monthly but later on they're going to have other series coming out and they may not come out monthly they may come out every two months and so on and so forth so the guy basically or the girl basically has to wait four months to be able to read the first issue yeah possibly. because they're not going to release it until um, they release all the series, like right. all four issues. Now, another thing that we that came across our minds, which we're not testing that any of these stores are doing, is so the stores are are mandated to actually sell the issue at cover price, which is three ninety nine, for at least thirty days. Right now, who's to say that these comic book stores wouldn't hold those comics after a month? Just hold them. You know, after a month, do not put them out on display, and wait till the next month to then put them on display and then raise the price, because they'll know that by that time, there won't be any comics left. They'll all be sold out, and that particular store will be the only store that has those comics. So, is there a limitation as to how many comic books they can give to the comic book stores, like I, the distribution company? I I I do not know, but what I understand is that they were actually work in a pre-order type guessing type of thing. So in other words, they don't want to buy too much because, of course, if you have... Because there's no such thing as returns when it comes to comic book stores. You have what you have and you're stuck with what you're stuck with. You want to buy just enough so you're able to sell and make some type of profit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I get so what you're you, saying. So it works on a pre-order basis, and they usually they usually pre-order these comics like months in advance, uh, anywhere between three to six months in advance. So it's really kind of hard. I mean, I don't know how these comic book stores do that, and I give them tons of you know credit for 
try to come up with a number in regards to how many comic books right. or issues they have to get uh, for the most part. I'm sure that they have a system in regards to like how many comic books they want to order, uh, you know, pre-order for the most part. But I, I, that's a good question to ask mm-hmm. uh, for the most well, part. The reason why I'm saying this is because if the distribution company is like, okay, well, you can't order no more than 200 copies um, because they're having restrictions on this as it is, mm-hmm. then obviously the comic store will order 200, hold 100, or hold 50 at least, right, not right. sell those 50 until past then 30 days, days right. and then sell it at a higher price when they get an opportunity, whether it be online that could or be in the store. Yeah, that so, could be a possibility. So, you know, I know it's basically, at the end of the day, you, you the stores do want to make money. They need to make money, especially now. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm just curious if that's even a possibility that they could do that. Right. It, it may, excuse me. It may be a possibility. But another thing that this company is doing, in a sense, is like, in a way, they're trying to drive the... Uh, the rarity of this comic book store and in doing so you're also trying to drive the value of this comic book store i mean excuse me of this comic book uh for the most part because if they have a certain number of comics of this particular issue and of course they all sold out that comic then becomes rare and in its rarity it does have value further down the line Mm. for the most part but it's interesting to see that it's a comic book publishing company that's dictating this as opposed to really the buyers or the customers for the most part i'm not surprised by it no it's 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 a smart it's a gimmick yeah it really is a gimmick when it comes to that it's it's them using other models Mm -hmm. for example yeezys or or anything else or a pair of air jordans or whatever the case may be um that's a limited edition limited quantities and it's the ungettable get Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. they want to turn it into that and let's see if it works for them i mean i i it's anything that's a new publishing company or anything like that you want to wish them the best and hope that there's you know an opportunity for them to get their foot in the door and stuff like that right and if the story is fantastic even better you know like let's hope that that's the most important thing that the story and the art yeah. It's fantastic, and yeah. that that can hold its own. Yeah. And, you know, with the restrictions, okay, it makes it like the ungettable get, the exciting part, like let's mm-hmm. stand online and get this comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what we want is a good story, good artwork, and, you know, something good that comes from it. Yeah, overall a good comic book, and I agree with you, and um, we'll see what happens. Outside of the restrictions, however, so far, this first issue that I read of the ENIAC is really good. I'm, I am impressed. I'm surprised and I'm impressed. It is pretty good. I'm actually excited, and I can't wait to get the second issue once it does come out. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Okay, so we're going to move on to our next topic, which would be Justice League. Uh, what is basically, what would be the difference between Josh Whedon's version and the possible Zack Snyder version? Um, what are we looking forward to? What do we think the possibilities are going to be? Um, what have we seen so far with the many, many trailers that Zack Snyder keeps dropping every so often? Um, hopefully he's not showing too much of the movie. Right, right. But... I mean, I'm excited about it. Um, I already have a good idea that 
it's gonna be a hell of a lot better than um josh whedon's version i'm not trying to hate but yeah um (laughs) yeah so what do we think well from what we've seen uh so far based on the trailers alone we do get to see dark side make an appearance um somewhere along the movie we also i believe we saw a clip of the joker in the movie so they there are definitely some differences between this movie and the josh whedon version of the movie now based on the trailers uh i was just thinking does this do you think this will actually change the movie somewhat like will this be a different movie absolutely yeah (laughs) absolutely so this will do away with the josh whedon version and we'll get like a whole new storyline oh god you think so i hope so (laughs) okay I hope so. I mean, the the one of the bigger questions is too. Why do you think Josh Whedon changed it so much? Even though I, you know, let me just stress the fact that yes, we have not seen uh, Zack Snyder's version, but come on, like it kind of didn't make sense. Josh Whedon's version. Um, I'm hoping that Zack Snyder's version does make sense. I know that they're supposed to be four hours long. Is Zach's, it four hours long? That's what I heard. I heard it's supposed to be four hours long. Zack Snyder's version. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Josh Whedon, he, re, from you know, from what people are saying, and, you know, again, this is mostly rumors. We won't really know 100% until we actually see Zack Snyder's version. But he removed a lot, added some other things. There was a lot of conflict going on um, on the set. You know, so it's... It, you know, you question, like, if if a good majority of Zack Snyder's movie was already made, why did Josh not, did Josh Whedon, excuse me, feel the need to change so much of it? I think part of it, too, was because of the, if you want to call it success, that he had directing the Avengers movies a couple of years prior to that. I guess his whatever tweaks or whatever, if you will, um, works on the Justice League was I think he wanted to bring part of that, of the work they did to the Avengers movies, to this Justice League movie, which it really doesn't work. They're two different movies. They're two different universes. They're two different aspects, really, of um, filming. And I think one of the things, too, that Josh Whedon tried to do is that he tried to bring some humor into the Justice League um, movies. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole scene with Batman cracking a smile, I'm like, no. <laughs> in a Justice League yeah, movie. Yeah, he doesn't crack a smirk. That, he cracks yeah. a smirk. There you go. Um, there you go. But the thing, the thing is, I think DC was banking on the fact that the Avengers did so well, and it was a number of superheroes coming together as a team to, you know, do their job and save the world. So he, I'm pretty sure they were banking on the fact that, well, if Josh Whedon did it for them, why can't they do it for us? Right. But the thing is, it's, like you just said, it's two different things. Yeah. Um, DC seems to be a little bit darker yeah. than, than, than Marvel. Um, than than Marvel. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that Marvel doesn't touch upon some dark stuff, but regardless, DC is just a darker kind of comic book and comic well, book movie. And another thing that Avengers had going for them was that there was already a standalone movie for the majority of the Avengers you know whereas DC didn't have that they had um, Batman vs Superman and then towards the end of Batman vs Superman they put you know they kept adding stuff to it while they were filming it so they can actually introduce the Flash Cyborg and Wonder Woman mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, Batman vs Superman the one that saved the show 
was Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. That's what <laughs> yeah. saved the movie because, you know, we all know my thoughts on on that on Batman vs Superman, but when Josh Whedon, you know, again, I'm not 100 percent sure as to what's supposed to happen until we see the 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 newer the revised version of it, but I can tell you right now. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a hell of a lot better. Here's what happened with that Justice League movie. Number one, they were waiting on the Avengers movie to see how they can, how if, how can a movie with so many different characters come together? And from what everyone's saying with regards to the Justice League movie, and mind you, let's keep in mind that I believe by the time that this Justice League movie came out, both Avengers movies had already come out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, a lot of, lot of um, comments that we had about the Justice League movie was that it was rushed, which to a degree, yes. The, whether it was the filming or the writing, it was rushed. And I think what the executives or whoever was behind the Justice League movie forgot was that these characters, particularly the DC characters, have lived on for 80 years. Eight zero, 80 years, for uh, particularly Batman and Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, they could have waited a few more years if they wanted to flesh out each character and do a similar thing uh, that Marvel did. Or maybe they did not want to do what Marvel did. But I think the Justice League movie in itself, the Joshua movie, was rushed. Now, fine. They may not have necessarily had to have had a standalone Cyborg movie or a standalone Aquaman movie at the time or a standalone Flash movie. But that storyline, the Justice League movie, could have been worked out a little bit more, could have been, um, you know, it needed to be, it needed to have some more love. It needed to have some net and dough and, you know, work, work. it needed to have a lot more work, uh, storytelling-wise, that is. Yeah. And some of the action sequences, too, didn't make any sense. I mean, how was it that in... You're fighting all these flurries, but yet, if you look at the movie carefully, each superhero character is only fighting one individual um, flurry, you know, fury, if you, I said flurry, excuse me, McDonald's. <laughs> but, yeah, so the fight sequences in that movie was lacking, were sorely lacking. Yeah, uh, they were only one-on-one on one instead yeah. of... Instead like of having one, one right, right, to show, yeah, to show their powers and whatnot. Yeah. But, yeah, that again... That could possibly be because they wanted to catch on that wave, which is something that you had mentioned last week in the last episode, trying to follow the trend, mm-hmm. if you remember. Yeah. Um, that's possibly what, why they did what they did. And, I mean, who knows why? We are not in their minds. We don't understand uh, the, the story behind what did, why they did what they did. But I can tell you that with the final product, um, it did need some work. Thankfully, though, we will get another opportunity on March 18th to see the uh, version that was supposed to have been um, posted out. And, you know, when you come to think about it, it's been what? I want to say, when did that movie come out? Was it two years? Two years ago or so? Three. Three years ago. So, take into account that they've had three years now to do some more work, you know, to fix it, if you will. It should be a better movie. It may be a completely different movie. And we'll see what, how the final product comes out. Yeah. I mean, we're already seeing um, differences just in the trailers alone. Um, you know, the they're actually showing Dark Side. Yes. Um, and it seems like Stephen Wolf is his minion, you know. Well, he was his, his minion. Yeah, but th- I don't think we got that from the other Justice League movie with mm-hmm. Josh Whedon's version. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because it was like Stefan was was doing this on his own and he was called by the mother box well, you know well I think they did that because I think they were predicting to ha- they, they were going to predict to have a Justice League 2 movie if you will and probably show Darkseid as the greater villain who yeah was but that's not what movies. happened because at the right, end right. of that the bigger threat in the yeah, cutscene yeah. was Baby Lex Baby Lex and, and <laughs> what's his name um, Deathstroke that's the Deadpool spin. Um, anyway, no, the, yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know what I'm saying? So, that was the bigger threat. The whole world, the whole planet, mm. was under threat by another being from another planet. They conquered him, mm. and yet the bigger threat is Baby Lex and um, Deathstroke. Death I was like, get the fuck out of <laughs> here! I'm sorry, <laughs> that is bullshit. If they would have made mention that it was supposed to be Dark Side, I would have been like, "Oh yeah, they're fucked." But yeah. <laughs> it was like Baby Lex and and Deathstroke, and I'm just like, "No, just mm. stop it." Um, I felt like hitting him with a newspaper. Yeah, stop. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's supposed to, uh, the the newer things that we've noticed so far in the trailers, and the number of trailers that's come out mm. has been Dark Side. Um, we've seen uh, also Diana Wonder Woman. Um, where she goes basically to the temple right, where right. the arrow was shot um, and it actually caught fire to signal. And so she, in the in the Josh Whedon version, she just saw it on the TV. And this one, it looks like she actually goes there to get that arrow. And she, I think she may have come across some very interesting information when she entered the temple, mm-hmm. you know, about Dark Side. Right. So that was like a cue for her. Um, another thing was um, Superman's scream. You know when he actually dies in uh, Batman versus Superman, right, right. it seemed like he let off like a sonic boom, right. which is what we did not see right, in the, in first, the Batman yeah. versus Superman. But he, you know, it looks like they're taking that scene back and mm-hmm. putting it in the Justice League, and he lets off like this, I mean, scream heard around the, the world, world. Yep, literally, yep. sonic boom. Um, you know, that's a that's one of the scenes that they're showing. Um, the black Superman suit. The suit. Um, that's also there. Yeah. Someone had um, put me on to something that was quite interesting that I was like, wait, seriously? Is there a possibility of this? Okay. That Martian Manhunter may be making an appearance in this um, in this League. movie, in mm-hmm. the new cut. Um, and that it may be played possibly by um, Henry Lennox, which wow. is the guy who played General Swanwick, if, if I'm pronouncing it right. Right, right. The he general, is, in a, well, the general who later becomes a senator in the uh, Batman vs Superman movie. So that right, actor, she was trying yes, to find out yes, about the bullet. Yes, uh, yes. When when um Lois was trying to find out about the bullet. Right. So because in one of the uh, trailers, you know, I guess it's the one that's specifically about Batman. Um, you know, he's Batman is hearing a whole bunch of voices, or basically a whole bunch of voices are, are going around as he's looking out into the distance. And one of the voices ends up saying, I have a stake in this world, and it's time I start fighting for it. Wow. Now, yep. you know, and yep. it is done in a voice by Henry Lennox. Mm. So, w- what does that say? It could be that the general is going to step up. Or when he was senator, you know, he's going to mm-hmm. step up and actually start helping out yeah. in some way. We don't know. That or that he may be Martian Manhunter. So Interesting, yeah. You know, 
let's let's hope that that's the case because that is the one Justice League that no one has made mention of. That's true. You know, who I would love to see in the movie. Yeah. No question. Yeah, I would definitely love to see that character. In the movie. Another thing that we may see, which I hope, but they if they haven't mentioned it yet or they haven't leaked it yet, I don't know. Green Lantern. No. A possible Green Lantern. Well, we can understand the hesitation with that for now. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm not saying they have to go with right, um, right. the original. With you know, Hal that, Jordan. Yeah, with Hal Jordan. They could go with the other Green Lantern. You know, so. Yeah, what Stuart. Was the other? Stuart? Yeah, Dave Stewart. So let's, you know, we could. Or, I'm sorry, John. What is, I always get his name confused. John Stewart. Are you sure? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but. But I understand who you mean. Yeah, yeah. so. You know that that's another thing that they um that they that they teased us with, right? So yeah, let's let's hope for the best. You know, let's just see what happens from there. Well, I can't wait to see the Josh Whedon, excuse me, the Zack Snyder version of Justice League coming out March eighteenth, which is a little more than a week away. It should be exciting. And um, yeah, yeah. Although we just heard, we just read rumors that they accidentally leaked. The Justice League on HBO Max. I don't know if that's of true or not. Of course, you find out like a day later, like a, a day later, and while a we're talking short. about yeah. it, you know. So, <laughs> so I'm like, damn, yeah. we missed out. If yeah, that was yeah. the case, if that was the case, yeah. um, but that's okay. We can wait. We've waited this long. You know, we could wait another week and a half or so. So it'll yeah. be exciting. It'll be yeah. exciting to see. I I'm looking forward to it. To be honest with you, something, absolutely something to add. You know, to to this. Uh, Bench worthy or bench watch watching pandemic sitting down, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, state that we're in right now. So, any new comic books that you are planning on picking up, possibly? Uh, possibly. Well, a few things, maybe. Um, the Joker's actually coming out with a comic book, he's got a number one coming out, which uh, I bought. Uh, I think I got different variants that was which I was able to do. There weren't any limits to that, thank goodness. So can't wait to read that. Batman has a new comic book coming out. Batman Urban Legends, I believe, is coming out. Uh, on the Marvel side, there's they actually have a lot, but off the top of my head, I think the Immortal Hulk is gonna come out, which I'll probably get. The Wolverine Black, White, and Blood series, I'll probably end up getting. Um, I believe there's the latest issue of Amazing Spider-Man or Non-Stop Spider-Man number one, excuse me, coming out. Which one? Which is supposed to be a non-stop action Spider-Man series. Just Spider-Man going to work, if okay. you will. Yeah, so kind of excited about that. And there'll be some other things, but uh, we'll, we'll be able to post them out on our Instagram once we do get them. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, I think that's probably the end of this podcast. Okay, the end of this particular episode. So don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 527 Underground. Uh, please, you know, give us a like. Uh, send us messages, if anything. If there's any topics that you want us to um, touch upon in any future podcast that we do. Uh, and, um, yeah, we look forward to continuing doing our you know podcast and we hope that you guys enjoy it thank you for listening everyone have a great day and we'll speak to you soon and i'm kind of hungry right now (laughs) you know what are you not i i know i know i know it's like i know i'm about to go to the kitchen right now oh lord anyway everyone have a good one and take care good night